Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom, I'm Michael Karam, and welcome to another segment, edition of My Brother's Keeper. Today we're going to be focusing on the church in Iraq. We have a special guest with us, but before we begin, we want to just focus in on the scriptures and open our time in prayer. The Apostle Paul was actually spent a lot of his time dealing with issues as well of persecution and even in prison. In fact, most of what we have written in the scriptures came from his times in prison. One of the most, uh, one of the most, I think one of the most compelling scriptures that he wrote, or one of the letters in one of the segments of one of the letters that he wrote, something that I find is so interesting, is from the book of Colossians in chapter four. And I just want to read this before we begin our our interview today and our our time with focusing in on the church in Iraq. It says this in Colossians 4 and verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. In one translation, he actually says, I may declare it boldly as I should. And here's Paul in prison, but he's not stepping back from declaring the word of God, even in the place of persecution. So just as we focus on the, the, what's happening in Iraq, the place of the, the emerging church and the traditional church there, let's pray that the Holy Spirit will lead our time together and that, he, that God will reveal to us the situation in Iraq so that we can remember to pray that we can support and advocate for the Christians in Iraq. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we thank you for this opportunity to be together on this program right now. Lord, focusing in on the church in Iraq. Lord, we thank you for this ancient, ancient church that goes back thousands of years. Lord, one of the very first churches, that, uh, very first areas of, the, of a growing church after the apostles went eastward. Lord, we thank you for just leading and guiding our time today, helping us to focus in on the main issues and for giving our viewers and those following the program ways to pray, support, and advocate for the church in Iraq. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Well, today we have with us uh, Fabian Grech. Fabian is the uh, founder and director of Freedom to Captives. Uh, It's an organization that started almost 20 years ago. Fabian and his team have been working in Iraq, mostly from the city of Erbil, but all through the nation of Iraq for the last seven or eight years, if I'm not mistaken, uh, maybe even more, eight years. He's going to be, eight and a half years. He's going to be sharing with us today some about his work. But before we get into his work, we kind of want to set a context for our viewers and those following the program about the history, this, this rich history, part of this, almost what we call in this area of ancient Assyria or Mesopotamia, part of the other Holy Land that many Christians in the West and throughout the world don't even know about. So let's go back and just kind of look at what's a, tell us a little bit about the biblical history of this, uh, of this ancient land, Fabian. Okay. It's good to be with you. Um, it's actually in, in a lot when we read the book of Genesis, um, there's a lot that happened in this area. Uh, well, first, when we see the word uh, Mesopotamia, um, it's referring to what we, what we call today Iraq, Syria, Iran, and part of Turkey. So starting from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2, 14, um, it mentions four rivers over there, and that's Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, and Euphrates. So the, those two, the Tigris and Euphrates, are 
you know, surrounded by four countries, Iraq, Iran, mm-hmm. uh, Turkey and Syria. So uh, and, and, and these two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, meet in the present day country of Iraq. Mm-hmm. So it's started right there. Um, right. right. It's where, also where we it's are also here. it's also quite key because that's the this Mesopotamia area is where Abraham leaves and comes to the land of Canaan. So he's probably, you know, if he, there wasn't an Iraq that day, but we would call him almost an Iraqi today or a, you know, a Mesopotamia, a citizen of Mesopotamia. That's right. Well, he was from Ur, and mm-hmm. uh, Ur, it's, it's, it's in the south of Iraq. It's about nine miles uh, from Nasriya, which um, it's in the, it's in the Dhikar governorate in Iraq. So he is started from here. He's from Iraq. And and then we, uh, there's quite a few. Uh, of course, we're very familiar with, with Jonah, mm-hmm. being this the central figure there in the book of Jonah. He is, you know, he's called by God to travel to Nineveh, um, to warn its citizens of the mm-hmm. impending divine wrath. So, uh, Nineveh is in Iraq. Um, mm-hmm. It's modern day Mosul. In fact, the province is still called Nineveh, but the the big city in Nineveh is Mosul. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the oldest cities. In yeah. fact, um, the longest history of the church in this area is from Nineveh. Mm-hmm. And they started moving more uh, south towards Baghdad through the years. And, and but it's still, um, it's, it still exists today. Mm-hmm. It's the actually the second largest city in Iraq. Wow. Um, and we also have a, a quite a big his, Jewish, you know, history in Iraq as well um, from the biblical period. Yes, I've seen uh, I, I've seen even materials when I visit Mosul with Hebrew uh, mm-hmm. pr- writings on them. Um, of course, Nahum um, mm-hmm. and the Prophet Bible. Nahum. Nahum is in Al-Kosh and it, it's in Nineveh. It's just uh it's just outside the city of Mosul, Al-Kosh. Mm-hmm. So when I, I visited the, the tomb of Nahum um, twice, and when I visited the tomb, there was a lot of Hebrew writings still on the walls. Wow. And they've been working on even restoring that and because and, it's been neglected through the years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, we also have and, the, and uh, course, the visions of Ezekiel and his time. To speak a little bit about that. Yeah, so Ezekiel, it says in, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, um, it says, I was among the exiles of the Kebar Canal. And mm-hmm. it says, the heavens were open, and I saw the visions of God. So, mm-hmm. And then verse 3, it says, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel in the land of the Chaldeans by the Kebar Canal. Excellent. And the, yeah. Lord, the, the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So that uh, Kebar Canal is... Flows into flows in it's in Iraq. the The land of the Chaldeans is here in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's got rich, rich sure biblical. People had his visions here. Yeah. Now, moving a little bit forward, obviously the you know we, we the modern nation of Iraq is a relatively new nation as nations go in the Middle East. It's only about a you know a little over a hundred years that since World War One and the 
you know, creation of nation states. And then we have the Jewish, a lot of the Jewish people leaving Iraq from both uh, Baghdad and, uh, and, uh, and in the north. The Kurdish, there's a Kurdish Jewish community here as well. Just pointing out the modern nation state actually has three specific population groups. Maybe speak about those so we know who are the people in Iraq today. Um, the predominantly in the country of Iraq is Arabs. Um, and also there are Kurds living in Iraq. And, and then we, we have the Assyrian community. Uh, that's the um, Christian. They are from a Christian background. They're, the majority of them are, are Catholic today. Yeah. And so there's the Assyrian Chaldean community. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, like I said, Catholic. And we have the Arabs, Kurds. And then there's others, there are smaller uh, minorities, mm-hmm. uh, like the Yazidis, Shebek. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, these are smaller, uh, but they're, um, they're still in, in this country and, and they have suffered a lot. Mm-hmm. So, but the, the biggest population, of course, are Arabs, and right. which are both Shia and Sunni. And then right. we so, have the Kurds, mm-hmm. that um, they're, they're spread between four countries, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, and Iran, and um, but we have our Kurdish region in the north of Iraq, and that's that's where we are. Okay, excellent. So just for our viewers, just to kind of move them forward, 1991 was a key turning point for Iraq. Uh, Gulf War One, Kuwait, uh, Iraq invades Kuwait. And then there's the whole getting Iraq out of Kuwait and then the setting up of the northern province, the Kurdish regional government. Uh, But then it's the beginning, sort of the end of Saddam's reign in Iraq. And then we have a breakdown of all the, in a sense, all the security in Iraq. And in a sense, this is the beginning also for an exodus of the Christian communities. This is one of the oldest Christian communities in the Middle East. And then it begins to leave. Yes, that's right. So, yes, as... When, when the United States in, in, invaded Iraq in 2003, mm-hmm. that's when, um, you know, the fall of Saddam. So mm-hmm. uh, up to that point, uh, the, as far as uh, there, there was a, a Christian community, Saddam trusted Christians. And um, he, he, didn't, um, he didn't like gatherings of people. Because having gatherings, people gather, uh, that meant it, it could be a, rev- a revolution could start. So right. he was fine with Christians. He actually trusted them. Yeah. Um, even cooks, the cooks in his palaces were, were Christians. He trusted them more than Muslims. No, he actually and, had a foreign minister that was a, a, a Christian as well. They were allied because the Sunnis were actually a minority. The Shiite was the majority. So the Sunnis, which, which uh, Saddam Hussein was part of, actually had to align itself with the Christians in order to maintain power and control over the majority, which was a Shiite population. That's right. So then, um, then after the fall of Saddam, uh, the United States set up uh, the government in Iraq, and and the way it was set up, it was uh, that it was it was a Shia government, mm-hmm. and uh, it's still like this today, where the president has to be Shia. Now uh-huh. in parliament, uh, they were divided, which it really some of the division started more since then, because during Saddam, Sunni and Shia were fine together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people married one another. 
uh, questions were not really asked if you're Shia, you're Sunni. It was like it was one big community. But then mm -hmm. when uh, this government, since the fall of Saddam was set up, um, they were divided and they still are today in parliament. Right. Okay. Uh, they're Sunni, they're, they'll have different seats. But still today, uh, the president has to be Shia. So okay. Sunnis were uh, did not get and not, did not really get a lot of attention. And that's when the conflict started. Um, right. Iran tried to get the Shia in Iraq on its side. Um, Al-Qaeda started coming to Iraq from Afghanistan and Iran, mm -hmm. and Iran was supporting them. Right. So, yeah, tourists yeah, started flooding the country and, and trying to grab power. And, right. and um, yeah, and these tourists were trying to help the Sunni community that were being kind of like a less citizens to try to fight the Shia government. So and that's sort of that, that actually it, right. That's actually sort of uh, leads us into 2014-15 with the rise of ISIS in Iraq, and the emergence of the Islamic Caliphate once again with uh, with al Baghdadi and the, and the the uh, conquering of Mosul by ISIS. Maybe just speak a little bit about that because that was a big international uh, an event which also affected the Christian community quite severely in Iraq. That's right. That's right. So the areas that are Sunni in Iraq um, that have been suffering more under the Shia government. And one of those areas is Mosul and Nineveh. So okay. Al-Qaeda was pretty strong in the Sunni areas, including mm -hmm. Mosul. And right. so when ISIS moved from Syria into Iraq, uh, the first city they took over was Mosul, which again, it's the second largest city in Iraq. So that's, right. we're talking a few million people mm -hmm. uh, that ISIS just grip hold of mm -hmm. and took control of that city. They took over police stations, banks, they had money, they whatever they needed. And they started to, you know, they had the military equipment that was left by America in these, in these places. So they they gained strength and in, in, in pretty quickly and started right. moving into different areas of Iraq. Right. And of course, because of the Christian community, the mm -hmm. Catholics around uh, Mosul, and uh, they they had to flee. So they, they fled right. and they started moving into Europe and in, into the Kurdish region. And really, the Christian community in Iraq started diminishing since the fall of Saddam, mm -hmm. since 2003. Uh, it went from, Excellent. I think, like 1.2 million to less than 200,000 wow. um, since the fall of Saddam. And right. because of, uh, yeah, these terrorists, they were targeting Christians as well. They mm -hmm. they suicide attacks and and in churches in Baghdad and in Mosul. Right. And um, and so the Christian community in Iraq has been exodus, you know, has been fleeing to Europe, to the West. Right. right. So they were a pretty significant mi minority up even till the early 90s. And then there's begins a slow exodus. And then that exodus actually continues. What's the today you said there's about 200,000 Christians in Iraq, uh, you know, of, of what was 1.2 million before. So basically a million Christians have left the region. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happened since uh, Islamic State, the fall of Islamic State and, and the retaking of Mosul. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening. There's still a big refugee situation right now in Iraq, isn't there? And even Christians are part of that refugee situation. Yes. Yeah, many um, since, the, since ISIS took over these areas in Iraq. There's been many Iraqis displaced. It's mm -hmm. um, Yazidis communities were destroyed. Um, so there's been a big demographic change. Large large communities 
uh, of Yazidis. He'd been started living in refugee camps, um, mm-hmm. including uh, including the Christian community. So um, there's many, yeah, there's still many refugee camps. People, um, it's been like that since 2014. So wow. All right, it's so- very sad. Yeah, and living in these camps for it's 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 their home, and it's you know in the heat of summer and the cold of winter. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not easy. So tell us about some about how can you know the rest of the Christian community around the world? How can we stand with the Christians in Iraq? Tell us about what's happening since Islamic State, since the refugee start, situation started. Tell us even a little bit about what you do, and I know I know actually personally about your work in Mosul and what the the Lord has led you and your team to do in Mosul. So why don't you just as one group, as one organization that's working in Iraq, that's trying to alleviate suffering and work with, you know, the the, the city of Mosul. Maybe just speak about that for a minute. Okay. So, and I, I'll mention this real brief. And because of there, people should know that one of the big challenges is that we face, the people here face, is really is is corruption. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of corruption. In the government, there's same faces that have been there for many years, and and um, and they don't want to give up these positions. So, because of the corruption, a lot of the youth of Iraq have been suffering. They graduate wow. from universities, and they mm. find no jobs, and um, and they've been really really affected by this. But what's been happening is, it's really as they there's been this openness among mm. uh, for for the gospel. So Excellent. wow. Uh, both both the just the many things they have been through through the mm. wars and also corruption people are are desperate. Wow. People feel right. hopeless. Um, uh, many Muslims were killed by Muslims. Uh, more mm. than killing Christians, the Muslims including ISIS, they killed Muslims m- mainly. And so right. people have suffered a lot. And so this has really created this openness to the gospel. And mm-hmm. we've been witnessing this happening. Uh, many Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus. We, we wow, do amazing. different things. We've, um, we, we use the social media as one way that we, we throw the big net. Excellent. And Excellent. there are Muslims in different Iraq coming to faith. Mm-hmm. We visit them and... Um, and disciple in person, and also we disciple them through the internet. Um, we we have set up an, an NGO, a non-government organization, and we we help in different ways. And this has really been given us effective doors to bring gospel. We do mm. one way: we we follow the command of the scriptures to com- to care for the widows and orphans, and we have been. That's one way that we have. Really, as, as we do that, it has opened doors for us. We have even held um, open-air meetings in wow. Iraq. Um, wow, that's really helped, amazing. True helping widows has opened the door to pray for the sick in, in large numbers, even open-air. And Muslims have been healed and mm. received Bibles mm. and being discipled. Even on a recent conversation I had with a pastor in Baghdad, he's told me that the radio ministry have been so effective. And he said that uh, we don't have enough people to visit the new believers, the new families that are getting saved. That is really amazing. So this is really uh, amazing. (laughs) Mm. Um, There's um, 
to see the to see the openness of what's what's for the gospel yeah. that we're experiencing in in Iraq. Yeah. So these yeah. are these are some of the things we're doing. We have a house of prayer uh, mm-hmm. here. We have a mm-hmm. lot of prayer meetings. We see this as a very important uh, part of the work of the gospel. And mm-hmm. the, oh, there's openness. There's many opportunities. We go out right. on the streets. We right. hand out Bibles. Right. Um, right here where That's we it. live, even in other cities like Baghdad, people actually take it and they ask for more. Wow. But the house of prayer, the prayer meetings are, are a big part for mm-hmm. us to remain in love with Jesus, to have the presence of God. And even as people get saved, they've been, they need to be introduced to this culture of being in love with Jesus, relying on him and being mm. abiding in his presence and, and so forth. Yeah. Excellent. So. Excellent. You know, um, I, we happen to know a lot about the work we visited you in Erbil. You've, uh, I know you, you go regularly to Baghdad. You've shared with some interesting stories. Many people know about the, 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 the fall of Mosul to ISIS and then the, the battle for Mosul. What's the situation on the ground? I know you have a ministry. You've just referred to that uh, in, in Mosul. Maybe just share with our viewers a little bit about what's happening actually right now. What's going on on the ground right now in Mosul? In Mosul, when before we before we came to Iraq, one of the words that God spoke to our team was actually David on my team. God spoke to him and told him, "I will send you to Nineveh, like I mm. sent Jonah." Wow! Now, when we got here, like I said, Al Qaeda was in control of that city. Iraqis, yeah, that's right. Where we live, were afraid to even take us there. They're afraid to go themselves to Mosul. That's how dangerous it was under Al Qaeda, and then of course ISIS. Mm-hmm. And now Mosul is open. And right. we regularly go. We mm. visit uh, people that have believed in Jesus and open to the gospel. Um, it's it's still in the beginning, mm-hmm. but there are believers in Mosul today wow. from wow. a Muslim background. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do different programs. We we help widows, like I said. We feed widows, and then we we visit them in their homes. Um, they many needs they tell us about you know their children having nightmares the things that they've been through as a people in Mosul but we pray for many testimonies of you know children no more nightmares no more this demonic activity going on and Mm. and um, and so we serve widows that's one way we do and we are getting ready to set up more programs to reach youth there Mm -hmm. physical fitness different things uh, to give us source for the youth there it it, it sounds like that, that God has really led you on a path that your, you know, your lives and your work has really been a platform for your words. You know, that what you've done, how you've cared for people has really given you a platform to be able to share your faith. Have you seen that that's sort of been the most effective way? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, as we as witnesses, we, we're witnesses not only through the, the word, the gospel that we preach, but our lives. Amen. And uh, many, many Muslims have told us this. They said, you love us. You right. care for us. Wow. People in refugee camps, they said, you Christians mm. um, care for us. You came and visit us. Mm. And also Absolutely. by ministering to the sick, many Muslims yeah. have told us over and over, when you Christians pray for the sick, God heals them. So wow. it's being there in person, yes. um, demonstrating yes. the love of God, the care, mm, yeah. and of course, 
the power mm. of his spirit that lives mm. and abides in, in, in believers. And right. they see that, you know, through our lives and the believers that go in these places. Yeah, it sounds like almost the same testimony that Paul's giving. I think he was speaking to the Thessalonians. We didn't just share the gospel with you. We shared our very lives. And I think that's kind of the model that you guys have adopted there in your team. And I know it's, I've seen the fruit when I've been there of people coming. We don't have a lot of time left, but I want to focus in just really, how can the rest of the church in, in, in different places in Europe and in North America and Asia that are following these programs that are, that are watching, how can they help be my brother's keeper? How can they show solidarity? How can they pray for the, the Christians direct? From what you're sharing, a lot of times what we see on the news Iraq is without hope. It's beyond hope. But when I'm hearing you speak, I'm saying, hey, there's hope for Iraq. Would you agree? I agree, 100%. Yeah. Amen. 100%. So how can, yeah, go ahead. How can, we, how can people get involved? Yeah. Well, there are big promises, first of all. Amen. In uh, Isaiah 19, and, and, and not just in Isaiah 19, we see that, that, that Isaiah prophesied, that this area, this, these nations in the Middle East will be a blessing to the nations. It's talking Amen. about a revival Amen. that will happen, that right. will touch and bless these areas that will touch the nations. So, right. so of course, as knowing what we're starting to experience in, in countries like Iran and other countries in Iraq, we're in the beginnings of this revival. And we know that the enemy is not going to uh, go down without a big fight. Mm -hmm. So I'll mention some of the challenges that believers saved out of Islam go through and how we can pray mm -hmm. for them. And of course, as far as how standing, how can you stand? One way is prayer that I want to talk about. Another way is encouragement and visiting. And uh, when there are like prayer gatherings or different programs going on, um, as far as an encouragement in that way. And then, of course, sending laborers into these mm -hmm. areas. Right. Excellent. Now, about prayer, I would say one of the things that these believers saved out of Islam has a challenge is fear. Uh, right. Fear is a, a fear of from the society, from rejection and fear of being killed. So right. uh, Islam dominates by fear. Uh, it's, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual prison. And living bound by fear is very hard. So mm -hmm. praying for these new believers, the emergent mm -hmm. church out of Islam, to be free, you know, to be free mm -hmm. from, from fear. Mm -hmm. And um, as, as, as David prayed, he says, you know, I prayed that the Lord will deliver, and he delivered me from all my fears. Pray Amen. that, uh, yeah. pray for us. Pray that the church in, in here in Iraq will be delivered truly from fear. Yes, excellent. You know, uh, we're, running, we're running out of time. And I don't want to. I want to make sure that we have time to pray for them. And I, okay. I'd, I'd love for you to be able to pray because, you know, this this highlights a very key part of, you know, what Paul is dealing with as well in the scriptures, what the early church is dealing with, what the early disciples were dealing with, and you know, there's we have a lot of, you know, scriptural encouragement and directives that we're not to fear. And yet it's something that, you know, is dominating the world at this time, even in the time of the pandemic, but especially for these, this new emerging church in Iraq and these traditional Christians, this is an important, what you've touched on is a very important element. So I, let's just spend some time as we finish the program in praying for, for Iraq and for these. So would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to be light and to stand together and pray. 
Father, we together we join and we pray for Iraq. We pray for the emerging church in Iraq that's men and women, young people coming out of Islam. We pray that you will deliver, deliver the church from all fear. And we pray that you will pour out the Holy Spirit upon us, upon these Muslim background believers, that they will be filled with love and will be filled with great courage and boldness. And 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 they would have the, the, the power of your spirit to be able to stand, to be able to stand humble and yeah. not looking to migrate and leave because of the challenges that they go through, but they would have love for their country. They would see your promises and have persistence and strength to persevere for these promises Amen. and to see them come to pass. So we thank mm. you that you would uh, meet their needs and, and about their needs of getting married, uh, the challenges with government, the challenge of being trusted by the Christian community. Give Amen. them strength. Give us all strength that we may stand and be filled with your spirit. We thank you that you will finish what you have started. We look to you and I thank you for a church that is vibrant, in love with you and filled with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Fabian, thank you for joining with us. I think we could go on for another hour or so just to, you know, understand and talk about these issues, which are so much a part of your life and ministry and so much a part of really all the nations in the Middle East. But we've run out of time. And I just want to say thank you to those who are hosts, uh, for those who are joining us here on My Brother's Keeper. Please be in touch with us. We want to give you as well practical ways you can stand with Fabian, his team, with other organizations that are working, uh, showing mercy, you know, giving the gospel away in the nation of Iraq to see this nation rebuilt and to come into its identity and destiny as a nation as we come into these very days in the Middle East. Thank you for joining us again. I'm Michael Karam, and this has been My Brother's Keeper. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.